0: Hi and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I should have uh, looked to everybody rather than just this, the few, three or four people over there. Today, our Bible reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. Light-ass kids, your time has come. You can escape. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And this is God's word. Uh, Sorry, it's verses 6 and 7. I planted, Apollos watered, But God gave the growth, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you we can come and take this time to be together as your people this morning. We praise you that you are at work in our world. You're at work in our lives. You're at work in this building this morning. And so, Lord, we want to open up our hearts now to your Spirit as he speaks to us as we reflect upon the teaching of your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been looking at the topic of living a balanced life. We've looked at uh, the topic of the balance of between a life of living out God's grace, relying on God's grace and the balance of our effort. Last week, we looked at the balance of challenge and encouragement. This morning, we're looking at the balance which we need in our life between, well, I struggled what to call it this morning. I came up with three titles and I couldn't choose between them all, so I've decided to go with all three. The last two wouldn't fit on the newsletter, so I went with the first one for the newsletter, but I'm going to jump between all three and hope you don't notice. Form and freedom... Organization and organism, structure and spontaneity. Some of us are task-oriented people. We live with to-do lists, which are on whiteboards in every room. And if you went, if I walked into your house and opened up the cupboard, I would probably see, if you're a task-oriented sort of person, everything neatly stacked in boxes and labels, everything in its place, You're a task-oriented person, you're a great person to have. But it's true sometimes that you might tend to be someone who's given over to a little bit of stress and anxiety when things aren't all together. Others others are the people-oriented people who love the spontaneity, and they're great people to be around. Everybody always wants to be near a person-oriented, a spontaneous person, they're great fun, they bring the life to the party. But the truth is, they're always 10 minutes late. And uh, they don't always get everything done the way we'd like them to. Hands up if you think you slide into the task-oriented sector of life, if that's your natural style. Hands up if you go more into the spontaneity. The uh, Yes, you can admit it, we're a place of grace here. Dan did take a photo of everybody though up the back. So, we know how to care for you pastorally from now on. But uh, we need all of us. Uh, We need balance. It's an important balance. God is a God of organization and organism, of form and freedom, of structure and spontaneity. Let's look at some biblical examples. uh, Genesis chapter 1 starts with God showing himself to be a God of order and structure, He creates the world in six days. Genesis 1 verse 2 starts off by saying the initial earth was without form, it was, uh, it was without shape, and it was empty, it was void. And so the first three days, God sorts out the first problem, it's without shape, it's without form, and he brings shape. The second three days, God fills what he created on the first three days, and he brings filling to the shape which he created. And the, day one corresponds to day four, day two to day five, day three to day six, God's got a plan and a program which he is following. But day six, uh, uh, day seven, of course, we all know what God did. He dropped everything. And he said, I'm doing nothing today. It's a day of rest. And I'm just going to sit back and enjoy what I've just done the last six days. It's a curious thing when you stop and think about it. that It, it tells us that God had a day of rest. Was God tired? No, of course not. Why did God really need that day seven? God is giving it to us as a model that life is not all about work. Rest is an important part of life. It's not just form, there's also freedom. In Genesis chapter 1, God named all that He created. But when we come to Genesis chapter 2, God comes to Adam and says, Adam, go for your life. I don't have to do it all. I want to see what you want to call the animals. And so Adam names. The animals. He gives them freedom. Another example we see in the Bible is we looked a year or two ago at the book in the Old Testament called First Chronicles. And First Chronicles is famous as being a challenging book to read because it's full of lists. It's got lists of family trees with all these big 10-syllable words. It's got lists of, um, of kings it's got lists of musicians, it's got lists of soldiers, it's got lists of officials, it's got lists of gatekeepers, it's got long instructions for how to build the temple. It's just full of these lists. It's a bit of a chore to read. But Chronicles is telling us the story of the kings, and there's, two, there's a few types of leadership in the Old Testament. One type of leadership is kingly leadership. And kings love organizing things. The book of Chronicles is a book of organization. It's how these kings got their kingdom in order. And so it goes through in incredible detail with all the lists, all the organization, all the planning, which was required to make God's kingdom glorious. The key verse, I would say, is 2 Chronicles 27, verse 6, jotham became mighty he he was one of the kings because he ordered his ways before the lord he pulled his life together and all of those kings what they did was they pulled their kingdom together and they said we've got to get rid of the sin we've got to repair god's temple we've got to raise money we've got to organize god's people that's what they did but there's another type of leader in the old testament and it's totally different a prophet you couldn't get someone who's more spontaneous than prophets you don't get the family trees of prophets with kings you could tell who's going to be the next king it's all mapped out there's a rule there's an order there's a logic but prophets very often God just plucked a prophet out of nowhere and so there's no family trees often given for prophets they just appeared and you couldn't tell what a prophet would come out with next There was no logical plan. They would turn up unannounced. They would rudely interrupt what was going on and bring a powerful word from God for the moment. And often, quite frankly, they looked like total weirdos, the sorts of things they did. You just could not predict what a prophet would say or what a prophet would do or what a prophet would look like next. And God would throw in miraculous uh, 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 works, which everyone would say, wow, God has turned up. Very different type of leader. You need both. You need structure. You need spontaneity of the prophet. One more example from the Bible. Church in the Old Testament centered around the temple. And the temple was a place, as we see in the book of Chronicles, of immense organization. It was an organizational masterpiece. There were musicians hundreds of musicians, hundreds of priests, sacrifices going on constantly. There was uh, gatekeepers. There were finance officers. It was more complicated and more demanding organizationally than, you know, our school fate. It was, you know, rivaling your opening ceremony of the Olympics Games. It's just huge. It was the center of the kingdom. But when we come to the church in the New Testament, You get this picture of basically the usual form is house churches and they're very small they're very spontaneous affairs they're based around a meal and they're led by the spirit there's very little order at all well the thesis this morning which we're thinking about is we need balance between structure and spontaneity between form and freedom between organization and organism if we have low structure and low spontaneity, well, I'm sorry to say, we have the, we can call ourselves, give ourselves the rather unflattering title, we are a blob. We've got no organisation and there's no energy. Nothing's happening. If we've got uh, high spontaneity but low structure, well, we're operating like a bunch of kindy kids. We're like, have you ever seen a group of five-year-olds playing on a soccer team? that's what this sector looks like, isn't it? Because there's so much energy, there's so much enthusiasm. But you've got 10 kids in a big bunch in the center, all trying to kick the ball at once and kicking each other most of the time instead. You've got half the team uh, off the other side of the field chasing birds, and the goalkeepers run off to the next field to play in the slippery dip. There's lots of energy, but it only lasts a few minutes and there is no focus. It's defined by friendship, but they need structure, they need vision, they need planning, they need purpose, they need teamwork. If, however, you've got high structure but low spontaneity, then your culture looks more like a business, a staff room. There's goals to achieve, there's jobs to do, there's targets to meet, there's roles which you have to fulfill, and it's all about getting things done. The relationship, the culture, is defined by the tasks which we have to do. And very often, in this culture, when this culture gets out of control, there's little joy, there's little relationship, there's high turnover, there's little personal commitment, other than to see the only person who has the real commitment is the boss, and your job is to make your boss succeed. We need balance between high structure and high spontaneity. And when we've got that culture, we're operating more like a family. Because when you think of your family, your family has huge amounts of structure. You have meals each day. You have, someone's got to provide an income to allow that family to to survive. There's chores which have to be done. There's a daily schedule. There's a weekly schedule. You need a structure to make life work. But the beauty of families, of course, is that there's also spontaneity. It's a family. There's life being revealed. And there's love within that place. You're serving together. You have fun together. You go on holidays together. And the culture is defined not by the jobs which you have to do. Not we are the Wilson's so we mow our lawns on every third Saturday. And No, the culture is this is who we are. And you're part of the family, and so this is how we live together as family. Let me suggest three principles. Thinking about organism versus organisation and how we apply that to our life as a church together. Firstly, we need to always remember that organism is more important than organisation. The goal which God has given us is to grow the organism. Not... Just the organization and I would say this in theory organization is optional many have in mind that the goal of a healthy church maybe we wouldn't say this but this is what we think if you picture what does a healthy church look like many people might have in their mind well a healthy church a church that is really successful is something which is just enormously incredibly busy with so many different alternative ministries and, uh, and, in, and activities. There's a ministry for the homeless. There's a ministry for youth. There's a, there's a missions uh, ministry. There's a ministry which has uh, having political influence. There's a ministry for drug addicts. There's a ministry for street kids. All of those are good activities, they're all needs. But I would say this, that uh, formal ministries in the ideal world are optional. They're not necessary. We don't need to have all of those sorts of ministries to be a healthy church. I say that by the example, look at Jesus. Jesus just lived his life. He didn't have a ministry for prostitutes on Wednesday evening, a ministry for the children on Saturday morning. Uh, He didn't have a a leprosy outreach on Friday afternoons. He didn't have to get out his diary and say, "Oh, I need to put more time into lepers that, that... all that Jesus did just flowed out of who he was it just flowed naturally out of who he was he didn't need to make space in his diary for it and i would say this theoretically we wouldn't we wouldn't even need to organize small groups in the ideal world we wouldn't need to organize bible studies for different nights of the week because in the ideal world do you know what would happen we would just say Oh, I love my brothers and sisters and I'm going to go and have a meal with them this week. And as we're spending time together, what will naturally come out of me is, I was reading Ephesians chapter 3 this morning, I didn't have a clue what that was on about. And my marriage is in need of some help at the moment and it just naturally comes out of who I am. The true test of our Christianity is how spontaneous is your Christianity? does it come naturally out out of you it's not just whether you know how to explain the gospel it's whether it naturally comes out of you in conversation if it just naturally comes out of you then it's coming from your heart however of course we need structure because we're weak and our hearts need training Our temptation is that we become addicted to organization and we can view that as success because it's a lot of activity going on. But the danger which we need to watch out for is that we become unbalanced and actually there's little kingdom growth going on. There's a great book called The Trellis and the Vine. It's written by two uh, Anglicans down in Sydney. And the thesis of this book is essentially what I'm saying this morning. You've got the trellis and you've got the vine. And our goal is to grow the vine, not to build the trellis. The trellis exists for the vine. The vine is the growth of the people of God. That is what we're interested in, and we build the trellis, the programs, the structure, the organization, so that the vine will grow. The vine does not exist for the sake of the trellis. The trellis exists for the sake of the vine. What they do in this book uh, they, they. It's subtitle: the mind shift that changes everything. And they give a number of mind shifts. We need to shift from running programs. Of course, we may need to run programs. Or of course, we may need to do all of these things. But the emphasis needs to be on the second half: from running programs to building people, from running events to training people, from using people from using people to growing people, from filling gaps. To training new workers, from solving problems to helping people make progress, from clinging to ordained ministry to developing team leadership, from engaging in management to engaging in ministry. Growing the organism is the first priority. And the organization must always be used to serve that end. But secondly, obviously. We need organisation. We need structure to train our growth. We need more than just spontaneity for growth. We need a trellis because our hearts, because our spiritual muscles are weak and our hearts are often cold. And you know, friends, the things which we value, we will organise for. We will structure our lives around the things which we prioritise and value. Most of us, when we become adults, we've learned to brush our teeth each day and it might be a nuisance we think it's a nuisance when we're children maybe but by the time we're adults we brush our teeth and we don't even think about it why because we value money and we don't prioritize lots of visits to the dentist we organize our life because it reflects our priorities we organize our life to make sure our children go to school because an education for children is important We organise our life uh, to get to work on time because if we're consistently late to work, our jobs may be in danger and that is a priority for us. We will organise the things in our life which are important to us. So the obvious question is, how well are we organising? Are we structuring? Are we putting the trellis in place for us to grow as Christians? The challenge I put before you this morning is that we need to look at the structure for our Christian growth. And this is something which you've probably heard from me a number of times, but I think we need to look creatively at the structure we create for our growth as disciples of Jesus. Because often the structure which we we create, it only is something like this. Attend church, uh, maybe attend a small group, and give a certain amount of your money in the bag as it comes around maybe be involved in a ministry let me put this to you attendance and even involvement is not the only structure you need to grow there's all kinds of different structures which are more awkward for us because attending church actually is quite an easy thing christian growth will often require things which will require uh, which will challenge you in different ways last week was a good example the two prongs for your Christian growth will be challenge and encouragement the problem is as we talked about last week challenging people and encouraging people are awkward it's awkward to confess sins Uh, I talked about confessing sins how that is such a powerful means of growth but I am 100% sure correct me if I'm wrong Nobody walked out to morning tea uh, last week and started confessing sins with someone. It just doesn't happen very easily spontaneously. You'll need to structure it. Correcting people doesn't come easily. It's, it's awkward. We'll need to structure it. My experience, uh, I've been doing, entering into this sort of stuff, and that's why I keep on bringing it up because I find it so beneficial to me. Confessing sin, And correcting other people and the the breakthrough that's been for me is because you structure it then when there's spontaneous opportunities arise then it becomes so much easier and more natural wouldn't it be great to have a church which we spontaneously in the middle of our conversation stopped and prayed for each other do you do do we do that much not that I noticed really remember a few months ago we said we were talking about prayer and we said at the end of the service when someone talks to you offer to pray for them there and then while we're having morning tea i found that wonderful for me i had one or two people pray for me that morning and i found it such a blessing it nearly brought me to tears one of the people who prayed for me that was a structure we're going to do that after morning uh, during morning tea today wouldn't it be wonderful if that's just stuff, just started happening spontaneously amongst us. The, one of the loves of my life is playing touch football on Thursday night. We've got a great team. We've got this older guy who's a coach. He's sort of like a coach player. He's not very fast, but he's very smart. And he teaches, all, he teaches us all these moves, which on our day, we're pretty unbeatable. But, you know, at halftime, what always happens, he says, okay, what we've got to do, we've got to try this move. And he springs a new move on us. And, of course, it never works. Some of these moves takes two or three plays in a row to set up. And, of course, it goes out the window as soon as play starts again because people are in your face. It just doesn't work. Unless he didn't just tell it you at half-time, a five-minute pep talk. You came half an hour earlier and you worked through that move in a structured way without any pressure, without people in your face, and then that starts to become team culture and it st- just starts happening. And that's the sort of thing which we need to develop. We were doing some of this, you might remember, gospel skills last, last year, which was essentially this. Some of the small groups were saying, okay, let's, this week we're going to practice appreciating each other and it might sound corny, but we want to develop a culture where it becomes natural for us to practice appreciating one another in daily life. We want to develop a culture where it's natural for us to ask each other for help. We want to be natural for us where we start to confess our struggles with each other in daily life. And I, say, I was really encouraged this week, and it struck me how powerful it was, to see uh, three examples of spontaneous Christianity. One example, we had people over for dinner, and they, noticed, they must have noticed that our lawns were a bit overgrown, and Ruth must have mentioned that our lawnmower had broken down. And out of the blue, I won't say who it was, a woman in our congregation turned up in the middle of the day, blazing hot sun, unloaded her lawnmower and mowed our lawns. Just turned up and did it. I said, wow, that looks like Jesus. You know what? Something like that speaks so much more powerfully than just the organized which we say uh, we're going to organise a a, a lawn mowing to help so-and-so on such-and-such a day. It's powerful. Another example uh, was a family connected to our church with four kids who spontaneously said, it was about 6.30, and they said, we're going to drive half an hour with our kids in the car to go and deliver a meal to another family spontaneously they they could have well said we're going to we've got to go home and put our kids to bed but they did that spontaneously and then of course this person i will name because i just think she's marvelous the way that carly i'm sure if everybody put their hand up in our church who had received a prayer request from carly that probably three quarters of us would do that you know what that's what people do who believe that prayer works in real life They spontaneously say, let's pray about this right now. That's that shows reality. That's that's the heart coming through. It's not an organized thing, it's a spontaneous thing. But for that sort of culture to develop, we need to structure it and organize it. We need to put training wheels on. Final point I'll make this morning is this: growth comes organically, not organizationally. Although organization and structure is vital for growth. In my observation, real growth so often just happens organically. It happens not as a result of this thing which we did and this plan which we follow. We follow the plan and we do the organized thing. And in my experience, so often, the way that growth actually happens, God responds in a different way altogether. And we said, wow, look at what God just did. God's designed our physical bodies, I believe, so that it's when we're we're asleep, that our bodies produce growth hormone. And growth hormone builds up our muscles, it heals our wounds, it increases our height. It's not as a result of us eating uh, and running around and exercising that creates the growth hormone. It's actually when we're asleep. And isn't that the way it works in our spiritual life as well, that we're growing, not when we're aware of it, it happens secretly, mysteriously. It's not an immediate reaction to all the activities we're involved in. Listen to John Piper. We're like farmers. They plough the field and plant the seed and cut away weeds and scare away crows, but they do not make the crop grow. God does. He sends rain and sunshine and brings to maturity the hidden life of the seed. Our job is to do what what God is asking us to do, to structure our life well to organize our church well, to do everything to the best of our ability, to prioritize our spiritual growth and to put in place what needs to happen for our church, for our family, for our individual life. And God will surprise you in his way, in his time, in letting his seed, his work come to bear fruit. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, But God gave the growth. It's God who gives the growth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. You're a great God. You do your work. You bring life from death. You bring beauty from ugliness. You bring righteousness from sinfulness. By... The transforming work of Christ we thank you that Christ has died for us Christ has risen and now he sent his Holy Spirit into our life to create new life father would you help us to listen to you and to do what it is that you're asking us to do to structure our life to organize our life to organize our church to put in place the structures which you're calling us to do as good stewards and lord we look forward and wait and rejoice in the growth of your kingdom amongst us which you will produce we thank you for this father in jesus name we pray amen